Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and once again, you're stuck with just me for today. Um, I've got some interviews coming up in the following weeks, but today uh, you just get me. Uh, Before we get going into the episode today, I wanted to give a final call for everyone. Uh, If you were interested in joining the EEPROM and programming class uh, Mike Christofferson puts on, I'm going to be hosting that in the Twin Cities, Minnesota area, June 3rd and 4th. Um, we still got a couple seats open, um, but it's coming up quick. Uh, when this episode gets released, it's going to be the 22nd of May. So you don't have a whole lot more time uh, to get signed up and get in on that class. But this is a really awesome class if you want to discover some solutions to module programming and replacement, right? Uh, cloning modules when uh, you know maybe used is your only option. Maybe there's some part shortages or delays. You know, you're not going to have a new module until February 2023. I had one of those recently. Used is your only option at that point, and. Sometimes the factory tooling uh, doesn't allow for that. So having some workarounds, having some options uh, with the EEPROM stuff is really valuable and can make you as a technician or your shop extremely valuable to your customer because you can charge a premium rate for these things and be the person with a solution, right? Uh, that's what it's all about a lot of time in our business. So if you're interested uh, my email is in the show notes. Shoot me an email. I'll send you all the details for this and we get you signed up for this class. But like I said, kind of the final call here, if you're interested, if you've been on the fence, uh, now's the time to reach out and get signed up. Uh, another note before we get going, you know, I mentioned I've got some interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks. I've also got some big things planned for the podcast in the future, especially over this summer. Um, I've allotted myself a little bit more time to focus on the podcast, put some more effort and energy into it. And so I've got some big things planned. So keep an eye out uh, in the near future for some cool stuff that we got coming up. But with that all of the way, let's get into today's episode. Here's what I want to talk about today is documentation of your diagnostic process and a little bit more uh, documentation in general of what we do as technicians. And Matt Fonzel actually had an episode on CARM's podcast, uh, this probably within the last year, I think, about journaling. And this kind of falls into the same category. So I don't want anybody to think that I'm just directly copying his idea. This is a great idea uh, to do this. Um, this is going to be, I guess, a little bit more technical in detail, uh, very similar, very related to what he had to say. Um, but I have some specific things that I want to point out. And really, it's just 
sharing with everyone the value that I have found in my own personal documentation of things I discover along the way as far as fixing vehicles, diagnosing cars, and how powerful of a tool that this can be for yourself and maybe others in the future uh, if you take the time spend a little bit of time, invest a little bit of your time now, this is going to benefit you enormously in the future. And I'm starting to see the benefits of that on a regular basis now because I've been doing this for a little while. So I just wanted to create a short episode to encourage everybody, if you're not doing this already, uh, to get started. And I'm going to share some examples of how it's benefited me and also just give you a few tips and ideas on how to start this if you haven't already. So when we are running our day-to-day lives as diagnostic technicians, there is so much, so much information uh, that we are expected to retain for long periods of time. And we need this detail if we want to be accurate in our testing, right? So much of diagnosis, figuring out what the problem is or where the problem is on a vehicle or in a system relies on our testing process, right? We want to perform a test on a component or a system or a wire or whatever, and we should have an expected result of that test, right? And sometimes this is easy, right? We check the voltage on a battery and it's pretty easy to know what to expect at that point. But there's a lot of tests on a lot of complex components and systems where maybe that's not so easy. Maybe you haven't tested that specific component or system before. Maybe you haven't looked at that set of data pids. Maybe you're not sure how that push button start system works on that particular vehicle, right? And if we're performing a test and we don't have an expected result, the test is kind of pointless. Um, I'm not saying you shouldn't run that test. Uh, maybe we can find some solutions. But if you don't have an expected result going into a test, the test isn't going to do much for you. Uh, you're going to be guessing, maybe on something similar. You know, Maybe you, you're testing an unfamiliar system and you're basing it off of some information on a car that was kind of like it, but a different year, different model, maybe even a different brand, and you're not 100% sure if, uh, if that information that you have from the other vehicle applies to this one or to this circumstance. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, right? It, it's all this intricate detail that we need when we go into the testing in order to make a confident call in something, to be able to look at something and say, hey, that value that I've measured from that component or with that tool that's bad or that's good and I need to look at something else, right? And I run into this all the time with scan tool data pids, like I said, voltage measurements, scope measurements, um, even just within programming a vehicle. Maybe I'm not even diagnosing something. Maybe I'm just trying to program a control module. There's so many details and so many unique circumstances in what we do, especially if you want to work on all makes and models. Heck, even if you don't, even if you work at a dealership, you're still seeing brand new vehicles where these problems may be literally the first time anyone has seen them ever. You may be the very first person to experience a problem if you're working on a 2022 vehicle. 
But in the independent world, you know, we're stretched across so many different brands, makes, models, years of cars, and all of these tests that we're performing on a vehicle, all of these components that we're trying to assess to figure out what's wrong. There's just, there's so much intricate detail. And yeah, I know there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of foundational stuff that we can apply across the board. I always like stuff like that. It makes my life easy, but there's a lot of specifics. There's a lot of details. And sometimes if you want to make a call, you need to know those details. You got to know the specifics um, or you're just going to be guessing. And I want to give you a couple examples here just so you understand what I'm referring to. Um, I've had a uh, 2006 Toyota Tundra recently that isn't even fixed yet, hopefully soon, but it's got a secondary air injection system to heat up the cat. It's an emission system and um, malfunctions caused a P2445, which on this particular vehicle is a big deal because it puts it into a limp home state or a low power state when this code is set. So even if you don't care about the check engine light and you don't live in an emission state like Minnesota, Minnesota is not an emission state is what I mean by that. You still can't drive the vehicle because it puts it into a low power mode. So they got to get this thing fixed. And the shop has already replaced like every component on the secondary air system. They replaced the pump. They replaced the solenoid. They replaced the pressure sensor. They replaced the diverter valve. So when the shop called me, he's like, I'm running out of components to replace on this thing. What do you want me to do? And so I get into it and I look at it and um, it has a pressure sensor for the system and it reads a negative 0.8 PSI when sitting in atmospheric, which is that good? Is that a problem? I don't know because this thing fails the monitor every single time the system runs. And if you go into the details in mode six for what part of the monitor fails, it's saying that the pressure in the system is not adequate. Well, is a negative pressure the reason that this is setting? I don't know because I don't have a known good to test. I don't have a known good in memory to say if the pressure sitting negative is a problem. Maybe that's not the problem. Maybe the problem's somewhere else. Maybe the problem is the pressure while the system is running. Um, while I'm working on this and I've got some people helping me, PJ and uh, another gentleman are providing me with some information to try to you know figure out the details on this. But this is a situation where if I had some documentation on a known good, on a system that's working properly, I could apply this directly and not get hung up on a negative 0.8 PSI. Maybe that's completely normal for this one, but it's kind of got me hung up because I don't know, because I don't have that expected result. I don't have that detail for that system. And I mean, service information can help here. And I always recommend reading the description operation, looking at DTC info, and they do actually have some pretty good information for this vehicle. Not exactly what I'm looking for, especially with that negative PSI, but some manufacturers and some makes and models just don't have great information. And some years are just lacking for specific systems. 
And you don't always find what you need in service information. And I'm in no way saying don't use service information or don't reference it. That should be your first thing to do. That's why it's there because we can't remember all of this stuff. So we have a reference to check in with as far as details and specifications and testing procedures and code information, right? That's why that's all there. But sometimes it's lacking. Sometimes it doesn't give you what you want to know a specific measurement, a specific test, a specific data pit. Well, what is it supposed to be? What's good? What's bad? Service information doesn't always include what you're looking for. And this is where I'm leading towards is having our own documentation can be really helpful here in the situations where maybe service info falls a little bit short on these details that we're looking for. Now, you can also have a known good vehicle, right? If you work at a dealership, uh, it's really advantageous to have three or four other cars with the same system without the problem that you're experiencing. Hook up a scan tool, hook up a meter or scope, do a measurement, compare it to what you have. Or heck, you can even do the swap Gnostics and swap a couple parts out to see, okay, well, this one does this, this one did that, this one had a voltage measurement of blank, this one has a voltage measurement of X. And that's how you reach a conclusion. And if you have that option, fantastic. I'd say use it, definitely. Um, Again, in the independent world, we don't always have that. Uh, Now, a network of people, again, can really help you out here because you can reach out to people that maybe have been through this in the past or maybe have access to a vehicle that's functioning properly and they can give you some information. That's huge. But again, doesn't always come through, you know. You may only get lucky if you're able to talk to somebody who's been through the same thing as you or has the same vehicle as you. Uh, That might not be the case. And so where do you go? You don't have service information for what you're looking for. You don't have uh, a known good to test. You don't have a friend with a known good that they could test or experience with the problem that you're experiencing where do you go with this and in the moment yeah well you might be kind of stuck i've (laughs) i'm on i'm there on a regular basis but we can be proactive in trying to eliminate those situations and reduce the frequency of that happening by documentation as we go day to day as technicians right we look at so many vehicles and If you realize it or not, you're taking in an enormous amount of information. You're at least observing. Maybe that's the better way to put it, at least for me. I'm observing an enormous amount of information every day when I'm working on these vehicles. Now, do I retain it all? Definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) That's my problem is I can't remember all this stuff. Um, I'd like to think that I remember a lot. Um, I like to think I'm fairly good at retaining information, but I know I fall short. And I found in recent years, the amount of information that I'm trying to take in is more than it has been in the past. And I'm forgetting things because of that, because I'm trying to stuff so much into my limited capacity that every time I shove something else in, Another thing falls out, and while I can be in control of what goes in, I'm not always in control of what uh, goes out the other side, and that can be uh, that can be tricky because I'm, you know, working on a vehicle. I'm like, I know that I've worked on this system or component. I know I've seen this problem, but I don't recall the details of it. Um, 
Now, you may not have that problem and more power to you if you don't. If you've got that photographic memory, that's awesome. And I, I am jealous because I definitely do not have that. <laughs> I try my best and again, try to retain a lot, but I need some help here. And again, this is why this is really helpful for me. So if you're like me and you can only fit so much up there, um, this is again, a powerful tool uh, so that you don't have to rely on everything being stored in your direct memory. So the idea here is basically to start your own library of information and documentation and known goods for the vehicles that you work on every single day as a technician. You know, and, and sites like Identifix and in some ways, maybe like IATN or Diag.net make money off of this, right? They group together large amounts of information about this field, right? Known fixes and uh, how technicians got through problems and they put it on a paid website and you pay a subscription and then you can use a search function and find all the information on there. And these can be really helpful. Um, these can definitely get you through problems. Identifix and IATN have helped me through a number of problems or at least saved me some time. And there's arguments to be made that you're not doing the work in that case. And, and I totally agree that, you know, you're, it's skipping to the end. It's not actually working through a diagnostic process. It's just getting the answer um, in a lot of cases. But what if you can do this for yourself? What if you can document the fixes and the known goods and things like that and have a library for just you, and you can share it if you want to, but having a library for just you of the work that you have, you've already done, right? And I, I look at that as less of a cheat because you've already done the work. You personally figured out what the problem was or, you know, you got to the solution one way or another. And now you're just documenting the details on how you got there so that you can use it again in the future. Maybe it's two, three years from now and you just don't remember the details on what happened with that car and how you came to the conclusion. Well, you go back into your documentation, you find oh, okay, I tested this wire and this voltage was supposed to be there. And if I see this voltage, I know that that component is bad. Awesome. I'm going to go do that. You blast through it. You figure out the problem very quickly because of the work that you've already done. It, you, almost, you're almost treating that work as an investment for your future. That's kind of the way that I look at this because this can be time consuming. And that's why I'm talking about it on the podcast because it's not a super easy thing to do. It takes some time. It takes a little bit of effort. It takes some discipline and dedication in order to do this every single day, but it is an investment that's going to hopefully pay off in the future. And I'm starting to see uh, some of the returns on that investment. And that's why I'm talking about it on the podcast today is just to encourage everybody because I've seen good things from this. It's starting now that I have a library, I have a bulk of information. It's starting to pay off for me on a day-to-day -day basis. And let me give you a few examples of the types of things that I'm documenting uh, that have been or could be useful to me in the future. Maybe you're working on unfamiliar or complex system. And one of the systems that I've been running into trouble with recently that, you know, when I'm faced 
with a broken car, I really have to do some research on that vehicle specifically in order to come up with some tests, get some expected results, and actually work my way to the problem. And that's the proximity key push button start systems, right? Some of the vehicles are really simple and the scan data is really good and it's easy to get through them. Others, not so much. I think a lot of systems are lacking on what they offer you or maybe even just confusing on the information that they offer you as far as scan tool data with the push button start systems. So I've been documenting cars as far as known good uh, data pits go. And I'll just either take a picture of my phone or take a screenshot with a scan tool, and I'll enter this information. I'll give you some more details on how I'm storing this, but I'll just enter that information into my library so that I have it in case I run into this vehicle. Maybe I never do, right? And that's kind of where, well, maybe maybe someone can consider this wasting time. But if I do run into a vehicle and I am looking for what's a known good when the key is in the vehicle and the key is out of the vehicle, when I'm pushing that start button, what are known good values as far as the scan tool data? Well, I'm going to have that documentation for the vehicles that I'm recording and I can reference back to that and compare it to what I have on a broken vehicle. An unfamiliar or a complex system, we can just record details, right? And this can be on a working system. Um, You know, the other things is we can record the details of a fix when the car is broken so that the next time we see a broken car, we know exactly what to test for and what is bad. Right. So you can have known goods. You can also have known bads. Um, You know, I had a Nissan recently um, that when I tried to program the or I should say update the program in the TCM for this Nissan Sentra it would lose park and neutral. It wouldn't complete the programming, wouldn't even get to the part of programming. It was going to the uh, part where you erase the calibration data uh, from the TCM and then it picks up the information from a ROM chip inside of the valve body. Well, in this particular one, it would lose park and neutral after you did this. And it would set a code in the BCM saying park neutral switch. And this one took me a while. I thought I screwed something up with the programming uh, as far as what was happening. Well, it turns out this was either a bad or a wrong valve body that the shop had put onto this Nissan. And when the TCM goes to when you erase the calibration information, it's going to look at the valve body and the ROM chip to get that information after you clear it it's part of the process of relearning it well if there's nothing there or if it's incorrect on the a 14 centra well then it goes into a point where it just does not have the eprom data and it does not have parker neutral and it doesn't send those out onto the bus and so you don't have parker neutral on the dash and the bcm you can actually look at data PIDs and it will show it will show you that there's no Parker neutral signal coming from the TCM. Interestingly, interestingly enough, the range switch is separate from all this. It still works, still allows the vehicle to start. It's very, very confusing if you're just walking into this. Well, now that I've been through it and I struggled through it, I have all the documentation of the data PIDs, the process, what happened when it went wrong and what to look for. And so the fix was getting the correct or a functioning 
valve body for it. I'm not 100% sure if it was wrong or just bad, but getting the correct functioning valve body uh, allowed this to complete the process um, and actually do the programming for the TCM, the update on the program for the CVT in this thing. So really interesting, right? Will I ever run into that again? I don't know. Maybe not. But I have all the documentation, the data PIDs and the values and everything that I went through. And I have it all stored in case I run into that again. I can reference it. Maybe it's five years down the road. I got another one. Like, what did I do? How did I identify this? And maybe I'll remember it, right? Maybe I don't even have to reference. But if you, again, if you need details on specific components, this is where storing this information somewhere can be really helpful. This can also be on a detailed process, right? It doesn't even necessarily have to be a diagnostic on a vehicle, but sometimes in order to fix a vehicle, and again, you know, I'm kind of sharing my world, I program a lot of control modules. Sometimes that takes doing a number of specific things in a specific order, maybe with specific tool or tools in order to accomplish a programming of a module or setup of a module, configuration, whatever it might be, right? That's something that you can document for a vehicle. Uh, the other thing is maybe does a used module work for this application or not? Are you able to get a used rack to use? to be used in this particular vehicle. Does this use component need programming? If it does, what tool am I using? And maybe it's just the programming of a specific module, but there are a number of complex steps that you have to do in order accurately in order to get this to happen. And maybe you don't do this every day, right? If it's a GM programming, okay, I can remember it because I do it every day. But maybe it's a Mercedes used transmission, and I don't do those every day, not me particularly. I documented everything I did to make it work because it was quite the process in order for that to happen. Uh, one of the other things that I've found myself needing uh, quite a bit recently is just specific circuit functions, right? And what I mean by that is if I'm looking at a circuit, maybe with a scope or a meter, some sort of measuring device. And I want to know, again, what's normal on that circuit when X is happening or when X is not happening? Should there be a square wave on there? What's the reference voltage? What should this waveform look like? What's normal here? And again, sometimes you can figure that out without a whole lot of effort, but other times it's questionable, right? Um, I have a BMW. Again, haven't quite fixed this one yet. And I've got some people helping me with this too. Uh, Tommy Oliva has given me a hand with this one. Um, we're trying to program keys for this and the remote function does not work, right? So you hit the button and it does not unlock or lock the vehicle from the remote keyless entry functions. And it turns out that's why he wanted me to program a key is because his didn't work. Well, it turns out the keys work just fine, but the vehicle's not picking it up and it's convertible. And on this vehicle, the convertible, it's a 05645CI, I believe is the model. On the convertible, the rear view mirror is the receptor for the remote keyless entry. Okay. And that took me long enough just to figure that out because that's not 
abundantly clear in service information as far as what I've found. I am using aftermarket service info though, so that might be part of it. Anyways, the uh, re- the rear view mirror sends a signal on a specific wire to the cast module to say, hey, this dude pushed the button, unlock or lock the doors. Well, I want to know specifically what should happen on this particular circuit when you hit a button or when anything happens. And I don't know. And I can't find any information as far as what is this circuit supposed to look like in a resting state? What is this circuit supposed to look like when you hit the button? I have no, I have no reference for this, but I've measured it now and we're going to get this fixed and I'm going to make a documentation. I'm going to put that down in my notes and if there's a really big butt kicker like this one has been for me, I'll probably remember it, <laughs> but maybe I won't. Maybe five years down the road, I need that detailed information again. I'll have that. Or maybe I never run into this vehicle again. And that's a possibility too. You know, some of this detail, maybe you never need it again because you just never run into that specific circumstance. Well, what if somebody else does? Uh, what if you have a network of friends and peers in the automotive industry that are doing the same or similar things as you, and they need some help with this specific issue? You're going to have that information that you can share with them if you want. But I think that's worthwhile because if I'm willing to share some of the information that I have with friends in the industry, well, hopefully they'd be willing to do the same, right? And so now all of a sudden, maybe you have two, three, four, 10 people all doing the same thing, all recording information and gathering specifics on components and testing and diagnostics that can get together and share information when somebody's stuck and when somebody needs something. And then all of a sudden our libraries get massive in comparison to just doing it for yourself. And so that's part of this is, you know, having your own personal library and reference, which will be huge, but also getting together with a network of people and encouraging them to do the same. You know, that's kind of why I'm putting this out there on the podcast is to encourage a group of people to do this. Right. And, you know, in some ways, Facebook groups can be a bulk of information uh, and that's we, that can be used in certain circumstances. But again, to have that personal reference for yourself and then be able to pull that information when somebody needs it, whether it is in a Facebook group or a chat group or just calling somebody up, um, this is going to be huge. And, and I, I think it's going to be even more important as time marches forward and unique issues on vehicles become more and more common, right? We have these complex systems on these complex cars, unique issues, at least, and maybe I'm biased because of what I'm doing as a career doing the mobile thing, but I'm just seeing this more than ever where these one-off problems seem to occur all the time. And so, you know, having that reference, to help you out in that circumstance or having somebody call who maybe has their reference to help you out again, huge for getting through the day uh, in this career that is not always easy. Now, the final part of this is how do you record this information? I'm going to give you you my suggestion, how I do it, but you're free to obviously do it however 
is best for you and you might have a better idea than me. Um, of course, you could just write it down. You could have a paper and pencil um, and put it down into a notebook, right? Nothing wrong with that. Um, the searchability of that might be limited and that might be the downside to that. But there is something to actually physically writing something down you know, having a writing utensil in your hand, putting it onto a piece of paper. Um, there's some science to how that locks into your brain. So that alone could be helpful and maybe not always needing to reference it, but, um, that's an option. But I think technology gives us a lot more useful options here, right? Uh, you know, you could do an audio recording on your phone, just kind of like what I'm doing for the podcast. Just do it for yourself, record some information and store it somewhere either on your phone or on your computer. Just give yourself a little breakdown of the day or a specific vehicle, and then you can put it into a folder corresponding to that particular vehicle, right? That could be the quickest way because you can just do this on your drive home, pop out the phone. Okay, I worked on a 2013 Audi today and we tried putting it in a used ABS module and we weren't able to code it with this particular tool. Okay, right? That's the sort of thing that you could put in there and then you could reference it if you document that properly in some sort of folder on a computer. You can make videos, same thing with your phone. Um, you can just actually pull out the video, the car you're working on in the moment, create a video and then store that again, either on your phone in the cloud and a folder on a computer, however you want to organize the information. Uh, and I would suggest organizing it, breaking it down by either brand or specific vehicle it makes it easy to search. And this is the way that I do it. So I use Google Docs. Uh, Google Docs is free. You get like, I don't know, a terabyte of information or something like that. Or maybe that's the full drive. But you get an enormous amount of information with Google Docs. And what I do is I make a document for a specific vehicle, right? So I'll have a Dodge Grand Caravan. I'll have a Chevy Silverado. I'll have a Ford F-150, okay? And under that vehicle... In the Google Docs, I will have it broken down by year. So I'll have a year and I'll have a note on that vehicle. Again, specific process I'm programming a module, whether I can do a used module on this one or not. I also put dates because, uh, you know, things change, right? Tools adapt. Other tools come out. Maybe you can perform a function now that you couldn't before. So I do put a date uh, for the, the note that I put in there for a vehicle. Uh, you could put screenshots in here, right? If I just want to take a picture with my phone of the data pits or a scope capture or whatever, I can just insert that into the Google Docs from my phone. Super, super easy. So then I've got a picture tied to a vehicle that I can reference in the future, right? And these are sort of things that's really been helpful for me lately. Just pull this up, go into my documents, and then take a look at something that I did two, three years ago and be like, oh, okay, all right. 2.8 volts is what I'm looking for on this circuit. Sweet. Or I can't do a use module in this one, or at least I couldn't before. Well, maybe I should try this new tool that I have. But anyways, the phone, I think, is a powerful tool for this because you can use this in a lot of different ways, right? The audio, the video, accessing these. And I think that's what's great about Google Docs is you can access it through your phone. You can get the app on a phone, but because it's cloud-based, you can access it anywhere. As long as you know your password to Google 
any computer, anything with access to the internet, you can access these files. So you don't have to have it on a specific computer or on a specific hard drive or on your phone specifically, you can go in there. Now you can also use Google Drive if you want, um, you know, to put other different types of files in there and videos and things like that. But I really like the docs function because I can just type out all the details and all the voltage levels, throw in a picture into the document, and I've got everything I need or want for that particular application later on, hopefully when I need it. But again, the reason I'm talking about this is this has been beneficial for me recently. And so I just want to encourage everybody to maybe consider this and start doing it for yourself. And maybe we can share some information in the future. But maybe you're already doing this. Uh, maybe you've got a different method. You've got some different thoughts behind this. Well, let me know. If you've got a particular way to document what you're doing and the information and all of the stuff that I've been talking about that I haven't mentioned or some tips here that I haven't thought of, reach out to me. Let me know. I'll have you on the podcast, right? Um, I really like the feedback that I've been getting from people. I like people reaching out to me. Uh, it's been great stuff. And so keep that up. And again, uh, you know, part of my goal is just to help people with the information in this podcast, but also share information uh, you know, when people come to me with good ideas and people that are passionate about this industry. So that's all I got for you today. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully that's going to be useful to you. And maybe you adopt some of this in the future and it can help you out long-term. But other than that, let's all get out there. Start fixing the world one car at a time.